This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome into Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is a podcast that's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowill, and my longtime friend from work, Robbie Earl. Today is special because it is the first ever episode coverage of a Marvel Spotlight series, our first ever Marvel Spotlight. And because of the nature of that, and because this is a special Tuesday night episode, it is our first ever friends from work spotlight as well. Welcome in. Robin. I know we we should uh, we should use a different intro. Yeah, for these uh, um, spotlight dun, dun, episodes. Dun, 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 <laughs> spotlight friends from work. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, um, yeah. Wow. Here we go. It's been a bit since we had a new show to cover. Uh, well, you know, a show that we were covering. I get, or a live action show because I was going to say week to week and that's not what we're going to be doing here for uh, Echo. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Without further ado, I want to kind of just get into the first two episodes of Echo. If you missed our main feed episode, our welcome to season five episode that came out on Monday, you may not know that we are going to be covering this series a little bit differently. All five episodes, I think for the first time ever on Disney Plus are actually available right now, tonight. Um, yeah, I think that's right. And so... Certainly in the in the Marvel category. Yeah. yeah, good point. Maybe there was another show that dropped all at once, but Disney Plus's model has certainly been the week-to-week thing. So Robbie and I are going to try to still take this show somewhat week-to-week. So today's special episode is just covering episodes one and two of Echo. We have not watched beyond that. So some of our listeners are already ahead of us as they're listening right now. On Monday, we'll be talking about episodes three and four of Echo, and then the finale the following Monday. So we're going to pace it out a little bit and give ourselves a little bit of time to breathe and kind of stretch out the dialogue around this show. Also, if you don't know, Echo is a character that was introduced in the Disney Plus series Hawkeye, So if you're just finding this podcast and or just finding the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you want more of that, you can find her in Hawkeye. Uh, Robbie, without further ado, let's get into Echo, episodes one and two. And I'm a little bit curious how you want to structure this today. I Hmm. kind of have a bunch of overarching thoughts of just 
how I felt when I got finished with two episodes. I have some things that excite me and some things I was disappointed in. Straight up uh, pros and cons here on wow, my notebook. Nice. I want to say one thing before I start. People that have been listening to this podcast know I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe so much. And last year was really tiring talking about and arguing about has Marvel lost its way and all and all this stuff. And so I don't want to, you know that I err on the side of being positive, maybe too positive. So do you. And we love the things we love. And so that's why we have this podcast. Um, I had a, a couple feelings of disappointment through two episodes and I was wrestling with why that was. I think there's hmm. part of me that watched two episodes and realized like, this is not going to be the show that's going to totally turn the tide business wise. Like for the podcast, like this is not going to be sure. a, a driver. But then I was like, well, did I ever expect it to be? No, it's literally a five episode, like mini series spotlight. So I shouldn't right. think that I think, and I believe, and I hope that this show I think is going to be the last show of an era for Marvel. What I, hmm. what do I mean by that? Like the dialogue that started with quantum mania and she Hulk and some of the like tension that grew then. And then we had COVID when all these projects affected by COVID one way or the other, either in their filming or in their release. And, right. and then we had the writer strike and the actor strike and things got pushed back and they had to reshoot things. And I think with how big of a break we have coming up, I truly believe any of the concerns that I'm about to share, Rob, I think this is the last series that I can do that for. I think that as Marvel's been kind of learning their lesson on how they want to do TV and, and even approaching it with the spotlight banner and how they want to progress forward with new projects, I think that these concerns I'm going to say are going to eventually go away by the time we get our next project. To me, this is the line in the sand where it's like, from the get-go, they had this kind of started before the strike because of Hawkeye. And then I think there was like a lot of tension of like, they don't know how to release it. And I don't know if they know how good or bad it's going to be. So do we drop them all at once? And is this the show we experiment with? And then maybe this is the show right. we create a new thing with. And this is all in the midst of them experimenting on how they want to do their TV. And I, I, I fully hope and believe that by the time we are talking about another show, some of these concerns I'm going to bring up will no longer exist. Hmm. Wow. What an well, intro. I mean, wow. That was such a long intro. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, my curiosity is, is peaked. I had a couple of, I feel like my, my thoughts here are more in the specifics. So okay. in terms of how we structure this, I think maybe if, if you want to start with uh, whether we kind of start with pros or cons with your kind of high level thoughts, really for me, I, I would say uh, my my only negatives here, I would say, are kind of in a few specifics. Okay. Whereas I I do have maybe some overarching thoughts that what, would turn what, more what positive. What was your overarching experience when you shut off the first two episodes? In the midst of us re-watching Daredevil season three right. and and we just watched Hawkeye not too long ago. Like, well, how did you feel when you shut it off? I felt pretty good. Uh, now, in fairness, yeah. you know, I, I, we've had this conversation before. It, 
it's so contextual because if this were Daredevil born again, I would have turned it off feeling disappointed mm. if that's what, what I was looking for and expecting. But I think this project, I've always been, I've never really known what to expect. And then I got really excited whenever the announcement was made that this was going to be part of the, the new Spotlight banner. And so my expectations were not, not low, but it was like, I don't, I don't really know what I needed this to do other than just tell the story it's telling well. And then anything on top of that I thought would be bonus. And so for me, coming out of these, the fact that we so quickly got a, a fight scene with Daredevil was mm -hmm, really yeah. fun for me. Uh, the fact that we end the episode with the shot of Wilson Fisk in the hospital recovering was great because one of the things that I was really going to be annoyed by uh, that I was kind of worried about was if they did this like every episode making you think that you were going to get time with Wilson Fisk and or Daredevil and just kept kicking the can and then getting some kind of rushed finale thing. Now, we may still get that on some level, but I, I appreciate it. I thought that they, they did a good job in the first episode especially of kind of meeting fans where they are and recognizing that a lot of people are coming to this project because of their love for the Daredevil characters. And Let, let's they start may, there then. Yeah. Let's start there for a second because... I think I was pleasantly surprised at how much it tied in. I couldn't say that on our Daredevil episode for Friends from Work Plus, but were you mm -hmm. not a little bit surprised to not only see Fisk and Daredevil so early and often, uh, you actually got clips from the Netflix Daredevil show in this right. show. Right. So it's no longer just promos confirming it's canonness. It is officially yeah. in our show. But also, just how well I felt like they weaved in Wilson Fisk was a huge win for me. Like, it mm -hmm. wasn't just a side thing, real quick. Like, she was partially raised by him. Yeah. Well, and, and so, there are a couple things there from a not, not review standpoint, but just kind of the, the MCU, uh, like, world-building side. Mm -hmm. I, in our Hawkeye episode, which our, our rewatch uh, that we did just at the end of last year, like you were saying, we talked about how one of the weaker parts of that, the whole series and particularly like Wilson Fisk's inclusion was that he, I thought, felt kind of smaller in terms of his influence. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like it was, uh, like if you were to go from the Daredevil show, particularly season three, to then where we find him in Hawkeye, it kind of seems yeah. like he's just a much, he, he's less of a big deal than he was. Like he doesn't, and part of that for me was like, okay, so is he basically just in charge of the tracksuit mafia guys? Because these guys are funny, but clearly not like a super effective group of criminals. And one thing that I loved here mm -hmm. was seeing that, no, he's got a much bigger operation like we see that there's like this whole Fisk shipping outlet. We see like the whole warehouse where all the stuff's coming in. And I think that it-, it And it even reaches the, to Oklahoma. Yes, yeah. It gives the sense that there's a much larger 
Like, we don't know the scale of Fisk's operation. And I like that. I want it to feel like yes. that kind of daredevil, like he's in everything. Yeah. He's, you know, got all this control. So I like that on the Fisk side. Well, and, and, then, and, and that, that's, that leads me to my literal favorite scene, I think, which is mm. Maya with the motorcycle. And then just so cool to see Fisk get out of the car and the cop try to stop him. And the other cop go, whoa. Don't you know who this is? Yeah. And like yeah. that one little 30 second was like that sequence was so daredevil in mm-hmm. that you just get this glimpse of his power. His reach is right. so great that he can just walk up there, take her away. And then I also loved the interaction in the car with him talking to Maya and the person mm-hmm. signing with Maya. I thought that was just like the way it was actual contextualized, the lighting of it, him yeah. kind of in the shadows was perfect for what I want Fisk to be. And, and really mirroring some scenes from Daredevil season three, I thought. Yeah. Uh, like I, there's, a, there's a conversation that is super similar in that where it's actually, the, it's a conversation that we talk about in our, our season three kind of finale uh, episode on Friends from Work Plus. But when he's talking with the one that owns the, the white rabbit in a snowstorm uh, painting, where... Yeah. She's like, do you know what it's like, you know, to to watch your father die on the floor in front of you? And it's this moment of him, like he yes. does know what it's like, but he knows what it's like because he killed his father. Yeah. And he has almost the exact same interaction with with Maya here. Uh, I, but that, totally different father interactions. He killed his father, hates his father. Maya loves her father, misses her father, etc. But Fisk killed both his and her father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I... Uh, I think that in terms of kind of big takeaways from these first two episodes, that was maybe the the thing that if I did have expectations and, and hopes for this, what I was really wanting to see as to Fisk was a an attempt to bring him more in line with the version of the character that we got to know really well across the the Netflix seasons. Again, I don't want to over I don't want to overemphasize the like perceived failure of Hawkeye with with Kingpin cuz I I don't I don't think that it's that far, but I just yeah, think and, that and I'm not as extreme as you are on this podcast. I'm probably not as far in the spectrum. Continue. Yeah, I, I I just think that I I wanted it to be like I, this was the first chance. Like we only got one episode of Fisk and by the time he was introduced it's like we didn't really need much more time with him because then it would have felt rushed. Like, and that's not what the show is about. But I think that this has done a really good job of kind of so far priming that character for what he can be in, in Daredevil Born Again. Kind of like what it, I was hoping that this would set us up to where we don't have to make all those introductions in Born Again, that we would kind mm-hmm. of get that out of the way here. And I like that it's doing that. I really like the characterization of him here. And that feels spot on. The other piece Agreed. of that for me is the is the Daredevil side, which we've gotten very Correct. little of so far. An awesome intro, right? Incredible intro. Awesome intro. And and this I was gonna ask you this. Uh my my takeaway just from that one scene, that her fight with Daredevil is happening after her dad is killed, but before the events of Hawkeye. Yep. That's kind of her, the first time learning she can unleash her rage and violence and use it in an effective quote unquote way. Right. But so Before that would Hawkeye. be during that would be during the blip, right? Because her dad is killed during the blip by Ronan, and 
I would During think by the, the time blip, we meet her in Hawkeye, the end she's, of the blip? Question mark. Yeah, if I mean, the I guess was it could five years. This is maybe like, year four, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think that I get the sense that by the time we meet her in Hawkeye, she's kind of established uh, as the leader, at least of the the tracksuit folks. But 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 but, but I kind of love that though, because the tracksuit folks are kind of goofy, like like they're right. too silly. Like that was the critique there, and so. If this is Maya on her journey, I, I, I'm okay with her not being all powerful and still being in charge of the tracksuits at that point. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Like and that's the, the only like reason that she's a good leader for that level of gang. If that makes yeah. sense. The reason I ask about the timing there is because I, I think, and maybe this has already been assumed, but that would tend to confirm that Daredevil was not blipped. Oh, good point. And that he was active during that time period. It would have to be during the blip, right? Because Ronan ended the blip. Like Ronan was done when the blip was over in Endgame. So yeah, it's right. got to be during the blip. Yeah. I wonder if there... I don't think that there would be room for this just developmentally. Uh, but And I, I kind of get the sense that Jeremy Renner feels like he's, he's uh, done his part within the MCU. But it does, it would be cool if those characters had interacted during that time period. Like, I would love mm. if Ronan and Daredevil, like, if they were both taking down these, the, the criminal underworld during that time period, it would kind of mm. stand to reason that their paths would cross. And even there if we never get that. There would be room for that, even in a flashback. There'd yeah, be exactly. Room for, or, or even references in Born Again of, like, that one guy that was right. running around killing people while I was trying to do it. It would be a, uh, like, that's, if nothing else, a, a fun headcanon thing. But those are kind of the big, like, the yeah. MCU world-building things that I that I was wanting to see and that I was kind of happy to get even just in these initial entries. So, 100%, you're actually naming a lot of my pros or the things that got me excited. I got chills with some of these moments. Like, I, I really enjoyed the Wilson Fist side of it, as we talked about. And I thought the Daredevil entrance was really cool. And that fight sequence was, was pretty dope. Like, the whole thing mm -hmm. about it was pretty cool. Um, I liked and appreciated the one-shot-ness that they tried to pull off with with Daredevil yeah. in that fight. I loved the shot of her reaching for the shotgun and trying to hit him with it as he kind of flipped over the... Uh -huh. the fence. And I really appreciate that. It feels like they're giving daredevil just a pinch of the acrobatics more than he has in the Netflix show. Like, you know, we always yes. talk about how yeah. like the comics, he's also like, there's another side of him where he's like a flying, like yeah. acrobat, you know? And like, they kind of lean into that with she Hulk, the way he jumps off the parking garage. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was, uh, 90% Daredevil from Netflix and 10% Daredevil from She-Hulk where I at least appreciated them kind of yes. getting like a good, a good grapple throw and some of the ways he kind of moved felt a little more comic accurate acrobatic to me a little bit. So I, in general, I appreciate most of that. And I, I liked his one line, which kind of just helps clarify where he has been, which is like, I was going to strike on these people had you not interfered and right. messed this up kind of thing. Um, so in general, I thought the Fisk and Daredevil side of it was a, a huge win and the action sequence is a huge win. I also thought, to your point earlier, the bombing that she does in episode two of the Fisk shipping center not yeah. only looked super cool, the actual explosion in front of New York I thought was like mm -hmm. looked incredible. I thought that was a really great, um, smart plot point that 
Like, what yeah. could she do to start this? Instead of taking a train car or fighting a bunch of people, she just rigs it to explode in their faces. Uh, and she thinks Kingpin is gone. I thought everything kind of around that was pretty cool and, and a, a good yeah. call for her origin. Agreed. And and that was kind of a nice... I I like that we didn't know what exactly she was doing on the train until the, like, I didn't steal anything moment then cutting to that warehouse. Like, it was just a nice... The way that was executed was fun and not not predictable. Uh, yep. I, I also just... I legit general, didn't predict what she was doing. <laughs> I, I could right. guess. No, I mean, I, I, I've just really enjoyed, and this is maybe the, the reason why I'm, I'm just happy with what I've seen so far, period. I, I've liked what Cox has been bringing to the performance. It's felt consistently good to me. I think that it's, I oh, connect gosh, with it the more same than last I. last name. Alaco Cox and Charlie Cox. I thought oh, I didn't just, even think about that. I was talking me about either, until Cox. right now. I know. That's what I realized right now in the moment. Um, wow. Okay. There you go. Wow. Uh, conspiracy. I, uh, huh? I think Related? that it was, it was, it has been a step up from Hawkeye, which I already thought was great. So like, I thought her performance in Hawkeye was like for a debut for her just as an actor, much less within the MCU. I thought it was strong, but I, I feel like here there are things that we've talked about with people's initial outings in the MCU over the years where it's sometimes things can feel kind of wooden at first and they're trying to figure out what the role will be and kind of what their take on it is. And there were just some subtle things here. Like we never really got to see much of Maya's personality in Hawkeye outside of her just being really angry and kind of wanting revenge, which is good to a point. But there, there will come a time where you want to get to know the character beyond just their, like, anger. And I like here that we get some flashes of kind of like a sense of humor from Maya in a way that's subtle but feels like it, it, it adds some nuance. Like, it, it adds nuance without undermining the, the fact that she is someone that has a lot to be angry about. Like, the little bits when she's on the train and she kind of flashes a smile... And it's just, I thought for, especially for, for her performance, for her not having lines per se that she's like delivering in the way that we would normally think of those being delivered, she's getting a lot across in terms of like emotional range. Mm -hmm. So this is my last kind of overarching positive, a pro. It's crazy to me that Alakwa Cox is actually deaf and actually has a prosthetic leg. I think... If you were a filmmaker, director, the whole crew, what I think would be easy to do with a character like Daredevil is, you know, you introduce that he's blind, for example, but Charlie Cox is not really blind. And I think over years of doing it, I think it'd be easier to kind of almost forget that he's blind and kind of just mm -hmm. write stories. And, and if I was Charlie, like act as if, I'm not anymore. And I remember reading something that Charlie had to almost remind certain filmmakers like, no, I am blind. Like this character's blind. So, Oh, right. But I think it'd be easy, I guess, to kind of move past that. But because a Lockwood Cox is actually deaf, I love the intentionality that the entire show has to have 
for the deaf community. So like, mm-hmm. I love that every single scene has either like an interpreter or subtitles to the sign language or mm-hmm. even the way they show the text from her phone and how she's texting that. I love the editing like on top of the train where it's so loud and then it cuts to what she's hearing where it's just basically mm-hmm. silence or during the fight with Daredevil, what she's hearing and how she wouldn't hear some of those cues and like her foot getting caught in the train car and then she has to fix that because she doesn't have a leg anymore. And how do you fix it without going mm-hmm. to the hospital and getting a new one? And like, like it sounds dumb because I guess I, the tendency for me would be to almost forget that she's actually deaf, the character. And so right. these actual actors and filmmakers had to learn sign language and lean into that. And I just, I love it. Like the whole thing feels so authentic because mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> Cause it is. No, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and I think that's one of the other big, wins for this series as a whole is and and I would say a lot of I got the sense that uh, a lot of folks within the deaf community and then you know the Native American community were rightly excited to see the the representation on both fronts here and I I feel like after two episodes and you know just recognizing that within the MCU we've never had either of those that that front and center. Obviously, we've had a uh, deaf hero in Eternals, and Maya was introduced in in Hawkeye. But I think that if we're going to have a a series that spotlights certain mm-hmm. characters in this way, that's kind of the other side of what I really enjoyed about this. Like we we opened talking about the Wilson Fisk Daredevil stuff because I wanted to talk about the way this fits into the existing MCU. I think that's the beauty of having something under this banner rather than just the the traditional MCU entry is mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, if, if you don't watch this, ostensibly, you could still pick up with Daredevil Born Again or wherever else those characters will show up or just move along with other MCU entries, which then allows it to focus on the things that make Maya an interesting character in her own right, rather than just, oh, she's interesting because she moves along the Kingpin plot, which I Mm -hmm. think would be exciting initially, but then kind of, it would feel hollow and ultimately disappointing and and kind of make this forgettable if she was just there to give us another chance to hang out with Daredevil characters. Totally. All right, we'll be back with more Echo 1 and 2 in a minute. with Game Pass. So I mentioned that this show, at least the first two episodes, gave me some genuine moments of chills and excitement. I also had some disappointments, and I've had some time to reflect on these disappointments, and I'm trying really hard to not take out past frustrations on one singular spotlight show 
So everything mm. I'm about to say, like, take it with a grain of salt because it's not just a concern I've had from this show, but maybe a thing that they've had kind of going for a while. And that's what led me to believe, like, I think that the concerns I'm about to say will no longer exist after this show, I think, given the whole time period, the mm. era, the way Marvel's learning, the breaks they had, uh, the breaks they were forced to have, COVID being gone, like all of that. I think it's not going to be like this anymore. One of, one of my biggest concerns, and I really want to watch the uh, Assembled for Echo mm. to see this stuff. I just don't understand why certain shots and locations have to have the same kind of lighting and feel to them that like Miss Marvel has on that roof. So like the same complaint I had about how Marvel, I think maybe for their shows not being spoiled, maybe for financial purposes, they tend to err on the side of, we'll just recreate this in our studio back lot instead Mm -hmm. of going to Oklahoma. And I'm sure they went to Oklahoma for a lot of this, but there are just certain shots where the lighting doesn't look natural. I have no other way to explain it other than it pulls Mm. me out because I feel like I'm watching a produced set and not watching them have this conversation in like a field, for example. And what's really frustrating to me is I've, I've, I've brought this up before the sequences like on top of the train, if it looks a little CGI, that's not as frustrating to me because that's really, really freaking hard to pull off in real life. There's even times that Tom Cruise did it in the new mission impossible. That still looks a little weird to my eye, even though I mm-hmm. know Tom is literally physically doing it. Right. So it's really hard to pull off. So I have grace for those. It's the times where like she's having a conversation outside of the house with her neighbor or her cousin, her cousin neighbor, mm-hmm. And I'm like, why does the lighting look so fake? Like, why does it look like Miss Marvel on top of that roof? Like, why couldn't we have just gone to any house on a field in Georgia where you're at mm-hmm. and just shoot it there? Now, I want to see the assembled because maybe they are on a front porch of a house in Georgia and the background is totally natural. If that's the case, then I just have beef with how they're actually lighting it or something. They're lighting it in such a way that pulls me out. And I, I just mm-hmm. don't understand it. I wish all of Marvel Studios cinematographers and lighting people would sit down for an hour-long lunch with the cinematographer from Eternals. I know that sounds <laughs> insane, but I no, wish yeah. they would actually do that. Like, the best example I can give is the house in South Dakota. Feels so much like a house in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. The lighting of inside the house, it feels like they literally went there and shot it. And I don't understand why they can't do that for something like a house in Oklahoma. Like what? Yeah. Is it the plane ticket cost? <laughs> I, I just, so that's, it's a, it's a thing that I'm getting tired of, to be honest. Again, like Loki, I have grace for it because the whole thing is sci-fi. Um, I think with this show, I was like, okay, they're going to finally do like the Netflix daredevil like the hmm. whole thing of Netflix feels like it's in Hell's Kitchen. When they walk outside the court, like the courthouse, you're like, oh, those buildings, they feel like New York skyscrapers. Even uh-huh. if it's not, that's what it feels like. The lighting, yeah. the ambiance, the sunlight. And there are, there are still times in this show where I'm like, man, are we doing this on a, on a studio set? So end of rant. I will say there were, there were some times where I noticed it wasn't that. There's a couple cool shots when she's getting her leg fixed uh, with mm-hmm. her, uh, what is it? Like, 
grandfather or just friend? I, what's that relationship? But inside that like uh, pawn yeah, shop, I, there were a couple yeah, shots there that felt about. really authentic. Like they went there and did that, and that was cool. Right. Um, a couple of the outdoor sets in like the flashback of like uh, them playing that game, uh-huh. things like that looked pretty cool to me. But there were just yeah. times where I'm like, why? It's it's the same thing with uh, Maya on the bridge in Hawkeye. Remember that? Where I complained about right, that? Like, right. why did you not go to a bridge? Yeah, I, I, uh, one, I, I really liked that scene you just referenced where, where she's, well, not when she's getting the leg fixed, but the first time we see the inside of that shop, I thought that that whole exchange with the couple that's wanting like <laughs> Southwestern-y things, yeah, uh, yeah, was yeah, really yeah. great. Very like get out, right? In the yes, like subtle yeah, racism, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, and just the way that he's like playing into it. And yes, that yeah, like, yeah. I, again, I, I feel like there were these little moments that were really well executed. Like there are, sometimes you see things like that done in a way that's so on the nose and over the top that it's kind of like, that it almost kind of undermines what it's trying to do. Whereas here, I thought it was like, yeah, it was exactly like struck the exact right note. Uh, but no, I, I hear you. I I am not. I think, as it's, sensitive. I think it's just something that keeps it from being the severance level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder if just the number of locations in in shows like this are like with severance. You just don't have that many locations, like with your average drama, uh, compared to a Marvel show yeah. or any sci-fi well, adventure. Well, and, and a lot of severance is literally in a studio. You know, that's the point they, they right. created a workspace. So that's not even a great example, but just, I, I meant keep this. One of the things that keeps it from being on that level quality wise to me, where I go like, Oh my gosh, you have to see echo, not an acting yeah. thing. Like it's, 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 it's a factor. Yeah. There, there, there are probably factors. I'd love to legit talk with somebody and and be educated on why that's the case. And like I said, I may be wrong. Like maybe the shot mm. in the in the front uh, lawn of that house is actually happening in a front lawn in Georgia. In which case, then I just said like we're lighting it weirdly then to where they almost look disconnected from the background. To yeah, my eye. no, you've got a good eye for that sort of thing. And I, like I didn't even pick up on that at all. Uh, okay, good. But that doesn't mean anything because I, I feel like I rarely pick up on those. It's funny, the things that like, it, it, in the same way that that I will harp on like minor costume decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That just do not register for you at all. Uh, that's how like the, the changes in lighting across. I mean, obviously there are certain things where if it's very dramatically fake looking, then I'll pick up on it. But often yeah. I feel like my eyes just kind of, protect me so like the entire train issues. sequence your eye just bought it the whole thing was thrilling and you never felt like it felt uh fake. i mean i would say that there were there were like some spots on the on the train but i would say but but but, but it's like still, what you were even if there were spots for me it was still mostly on par with like the top of the top like if you watch the very end of dead reckoning that train sequence where like the right, train cars what, are yeah. falling there are moments that still look CGI because it is you know you have to. yeah no I mean and that's what I was going to say I feel like just anytime you have a scene where you've oh, got di- like a, uh, Dial of Destiny is another one train car yeah sequence. yeah like a, a, a train scene a high speed chase where you've got a character that's like on top of the car I feel like that stuff's always going to look like a little bit fake because 
that's just Tough the nature off. of what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and I think you could even find moments in like Winter Soldier that would fit that description. And that's one that I think a lot of people point to as being pretty perfect on a on like an execution level. My guess as to this entire conversation, my best guess is that most people are like you. And so if they have the visual, let's say 96% of the way there on a studio backlot, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost them whatever, $3 million more dollars to get that final 4%, I understand as like a producer of music, just being like, no one's going to catch this. Just right. save the $4 million because no one's going to catch it. And that sounds like a cop-out, but I understand that, you know, you know how that goes. Like you could be right. messing with a vocal forever and it's like, you know what? No one's going to notice this breath that is like too loud or whatever. Right. Like no one's going to, that's not going to be the takeaway. And so I'm not going to spend another two hours on it kind of thing. Um, so maybe that's I, their answer. I mean, I, I do think that there's a legitimate like a cost benefit analysis here for this show that is maybe a little unique also. Cause oh, good point. when you talk about the phase and, and like where this fits into the conversation, this is a series that was greenlit and announced exactly in an era where there was a lot more goodwill towards Marvel than there currently is. Hmm. And they were very quick to kind of run with any ideas because yep. that was kind of the model at the time. Whereas now, they're, you know, we know that they're scaling back, but that decision right. was made after this was already filmed. But I do feel like, you know, yep. part, part of the reason they're having to promote it so much as a Kingpin Daredevil thing is because I think that they are rightly concerned that people just aren't going to watch this show because people don't, don't like, there aren't enough people that watched Hawkeye in the first place and were so gripped by it that they want a spinoff from that series. So I think that there is like on a, mm-hmm. on a budget level when it comes to probably like post-production, I, I would imagine that ceiling is lower than they would prefer, than the creators would prefer just because they, they can't necessarily count on a lot of revenue on the back end, whatever that looks like on the Disney Plus model. Which is why I said, I think this is probably the last show that I'll say that about because there's also the Iger, Chapik, Victoria Alonso, all that stuff mm-hmm. happened too during all this. So maybe, right. I don't know this, but maybe Chapik, you know, greenlit the show. And then Iger comes in and is like, this is not going to drive financial anything. So mm-hmm. we just need to put five out at once. Like there's all, there was all this. And I think like literally starting with like Agatha, I just don't think I'll feel that way anymore. I don't think. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Three other concerns and then two questions to you and that's it. And we can make these quick. And cool. you know, I, I say this every time, like I always wrestle with, we both wrestle with the balance on this podcast of if I come in here and don't, you know, if, if people feel like sometimes I'm just like, uh, you know, Marvel colored glasses, everything. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I, I love everything. I don't point out any of the concerns, but then sometimes I feel like if I truthfully say some concerns, then people are like, what are you talking about? Like, how did you not feel this? <laughs> and so I'm just going to truly say how I feel with this. Okay. I have no other way mm-hmm. to do it. I don't have to do. Um, I didn't think, or maybe I was a little bit disappointed in such a short runtime that the retread of the Hawkeye sequences was very effective. And here's what I mean by that. Like the first 20 minutes of episode one are Mm -hmm. actually including 
not remakes, but actual shots from Hawkeye as almost like a montage to catch people up. And I feel like they were kind of skirting the line and I would have rather them gone one of two ways. I would have rather you just assume that no one watched Hawkeye and then do a full blown, like lean into it, like do a whole recap of Maya's character. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen Hawkeye for 30 or 40 minutes where I, where I can then go, maybe it's like a pre episode to the series where I go, okay, like I love a recap to like catch us up. Right. Or I think I'd rather you just assume that people haven't seen it and you don't care. Like, just tell Maya's story from this point on, having known nothing of Hawkeye, but to, like, include just little clips, but not the full story, I don't think was as effective. Like, her father's death here is obviously not as effective as it is in Hawkeye because it's shortened, and you don't have the entire sequence of what they're talking about. Ronan explaining, like, you and I are the same, I don't think is quite as effective, although they're trying to give it a Wilson Fisk slant of, like, how Ronan also has the same rage. Yeah. But I don't think that was as effective because like that moment's pretty cool in Hawkeye and here it's so shortened. So I think I just would have rather gone one way or the other. Thoughts? So I I noticed that and I do think that there are probably more elegant ways to do it. Like immediately what comes to mind is the the recap we get from the the final scene of Captain America the First Avenger in the First Avengers movie whenever he's punching on the the punching bag and has memories of like the ship going down and he's talking to Peggy and it's like, that's their moment of, hey, we think you maybe didn't watch the first Captain America movie. So here's who this yeah, character right, is. Right. But they kind of work it in by it's like what he's thinking of while he's like going so yeah, hard on correct. this punching bag. So you're learning one that he's angry about it and he's like working through it, but also getting caught up. Here, it's more just a straight, like, like might as well be a previously on, but then they expand Correct. it out. Uh, I think the so reason I'm okay with it... maybe just make a previously on. That's really long. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the... It's tricky. Uh, they did add new shots, you know? That, they that, added, that would yeah, be they added new shots, and they also... You know, it's been over two years now since Hawkeye came out, uh, since that episode aired that showed this stuff. And like I said, even if people did watch it, and, and that, you know, maybe they're assuming that a lot of the people that watch Echo are going to be folks that watched Hawkeye once when it came out and have not really thought about it since then. And so you and I have rewatched it a, a couple times, but very recently and talked about it. So I think those scenes, like we're very aware of what the actual scenes play like and and what the differences are here. Whereas I think that the casual viewer would not be. And I think if they did just jump in, then people would be lost as to like what the character's motivations were and trying to, like there are shows like that where Candace and I will be talking and, you know, we'll be like 30 minutes into the first episode of a new season and they didn't catch up and the last season came out like two years ago hmm. and as someone that I think is normally pretty good at, at tracing those threads like, uh, like Stranger Things is actually an example of that when we started the last oh yeah the last like, chunk what I happened was like, in season two <laughs> again I, yeah I was like wait I don't who how how do we know this character again like or how did this person get here like why is or why are we yeah. thinking about this character yeah. and it's like whatever happened to the mall thing whereas oh, yeah. here I feel like 
that that would be me, I would think, if I had not covered Hawkeye on the podcast since then. I think I would be trying to remember like certain elements of like what exactly was her relationship with Kingpin. And so I, maybe I still then, think maybe I would have included more of it then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and I think the full sequences. So you get the emotional hit there. And I would have, I would have liked to know a little bit more about like the, the way her relationship with Fisk was established. Like even when she was a kid, like we see him there and, and like that same shot that we got in, in Hawkeye of him like holding her hand. But I, I still don't really understand why her, like why her dad was. Well, well, I do like that they at least lean into the explanation of they came upon hard times and out of desperation turned to Fisk for help. And then that's right. how they kind of became close. I like that. I, lo- I like, I love leaning into that, to be honest. No, no, I do. I do too. I just kind of, and maybe we will get more of that across this series. I would just like to know, like, I understand the way that their relationship progressed after her dad's death and how he kind of, like, she mm-hmm. leaned into that relationship e- even more. I, I would have been interested to see, like, what drove Fisk to kind of take on that fatherly role in the first place like even when she was a little girl like what about like was it just that he saw her like her kind of ferocity and that was something that resonated with him I think I like I I guess that's the implication but to your point those are areas where I think it would be it would be nice to maybe see like maybe the same scenes that we got in Hawkeye but all from his perspective instead of hers like just sort of a way to change it up so that we get more information if we do remember those things. But if we don't, and we're, we're a first-time viewer or something, that you also understand what's happening. But it, it, then again, there, there are just those budget concerns, I think, where it's like, is it, worth, is it worth reshooting this stuff? Is it worth actually adding, like, in, in the time that that would take and the people that we have to get on set and the sets that we would have to create or revisit just to, like, you know, get that last 4%? Uh, yeah, I don't probably not, but I think that ideally I, I'm probably with you that it could have been, been improved. Third concern in the NFL, Robbie on an NFL team, I should say there are offensive players, there's defensive players and there's special teams players. Okay. Uh-huh. And like in high school, a lot of times just because some kids are better than others, your star offensive player will also play defense and special teams because you just want your best player out there. But in the NFL, there are dedicated special teams players. So there are some guys that are just on the roster to be like a kick returner and they only Mm -hmm. get like four kick returns in a game. So they only get four plays. Whereas like the offensive guys get, you know, 80. So there are stars on offensive sides of the ball and defense sides of the ball, but rarely there is like a star special teamer just because they don't have a ton of time to make an impact. But amongst my friends, we have a running joke where because they have so little time to make an impact, often those are the guys that go so above and beyond to try to make an impact on their coaches to like eventually earn uh-huh. playing time elsewhere. So we call them special teamers in that like they're always the most chippy. Like they're they're they'll off they'll often have penalties because like they're one chance on the field, they blow oh, a guy right. up when you're not supposed to or like block someone right. in the back or they're the ones that are starting fights because it's like they're trying they're so <laughs> amped up for their one moment. So we go, "Oh, it's a special teamer." One of the things that I think sets Daredevil season 3 
WandaVision especially, and and mostly Loki season two, although I don't think Loki season two is on the level of the other two, is that side actor thing. And mm. I feel like here, again, my note is, why do the side actors often feel like they have to overact? And the only thing I can think of is like, hmm. often it feels like special teamers, where it's like Maya's cousin doesn't, have a huge role. He knows he doesn't. So he like plays this like overly goofy character to try to make an impact. And huh. sometimes it pulls me out. Like I feel like in WandaVision, like Norm, um, I'm blanking on their name, but like their neighbor, they're Herb. so settled in. Or yeah, they're so settled into what they're trying to do that it just feels so comfortable. And Daredevil season three feels that way. Like when you finally get a shot of Father Lantum, you don't feel like, wow, this guy is like way over, over trying. But then like the one shot we get in this show of the, I, I think a bad guy to come um, at the Fisk shipping center that kind of walks in like a mustache twirler and like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're going so over the top. I'm like, dude, just relax in your role. So I feel like hmm. some of those people like him, um, the cousin a little bit are just kind of like the way he's yelling at his dog. It just feels like you're overacting to a point where you're trying to get me to notice you. That's so mean of me. Wow. But- no, no. I, I see what you're saying. And I, I feel like I have like, there, there are other instances where that's more obvious to me. Correct. I actually it's did not, not a 10 have out of 10 any problem. I did not have side acting Okay, love it. Concerns here. I and and I you know, we've talked about this before. I also don't know that WandaVision is as flawless on that point as as like I think you and I disagree a bit there. I don't think that it's an issue in WandaVision, but whenever I go back and watch it, it it's not like there are still little moments. And in part it's because the side actors are being asked to do a lot of different things throughout the show and I think that they excel in certain roles more than others. But I would just say here, I, I want to wait and see how it plays out, I guess. I liked sure. that kind of new villain intro just because he Mustache made a mark twirler? for me. Okay, yeah, I okay. liked it. I mean, he's like a, he, you know, he's, we need someone he that He literally is, looks like Wallo Luigi or, uh, uh, um. Yeah, like a like the most typical mustache twirler, like, ah, <laughs> see, this is what you're going to do. I mean, he's just, are you just talking about him like whistling and, and humming the song while he's yeah, walking like in? Yeah, like the way his glasses are kind of half down like this and then like the way he talks <laughs> I know, in a couple, I, his two lines. Yeah. But I, I guess know, I so, just, it's so unfair. <laughs> but see, that's the, like, that's the, the, the push and pull, you know, and, and I fall on different sides of this debate. I Great. feel like all the time, depending on the project. But I, 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 gen- feel- I genuinely love that when you say I don't feel the same way because I'm like, great, then then I probably on a rewatch won't feel as much the same way. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, great, I hope a lot of people feel like you and not like me. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and I'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see how I feel on a rewatch. But I just think that sometimes the 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 things you have to choose between, I, I guess, are often do you want someone that feels like hyper realistic and grounded or do you want someone that is going yeah. to kind of make a mark through either character design or like a unique personality? And I think sometimes like you can get the the former, like it does feel very grounded, but then it's not super memorable because, Good point. Good point. you know, so I, I and, and it's like a superhero thing, which this ultimately is. 
I do like that there's still that, uh, like the, there, there's something that will stick in my mind about that guy. And for the cousin, okay. I just think I need to see how it plays out. Uh, yeah, for, for both of those characters, probably. Maybe through like, the again, five episodes, if he really leans into it enough, I'll just feel like, oh, he's like the quirky neighbor. That's fine. Maybe that's and, all. And I think I, like, we get the sense that he is, you know, they talk about him being easily influenced. Like, I feel like he's got kind of his own story where even if we don't get that in the show, it's like he he is someone that seems to like, he looks up to Maya. He's kind of bubbly out of a, like he's kind of wanting, he's wanting to do the right thing, but also kind of fit in with her. But also he's like afraid of disappointing his grandma and and like afraid of getting in trouble. So it's like, he's kind of got this like frantic, nervous energy that I think works so far for me. But I, you know, this is one of those things where I could see it getting to a point where I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I tire of that, uh, which is why I say I kind of need to see how it plays out. Okay. Final question. I said two questions, but I'm just going to ask one final question from me to you. And then I know you have one closing point you want to make. So that's how mm-hmm. we're going to do it. My final question to you, what was your take on the slight mystical element right yeah. from the get go? I think like the very first shot, the very right. first shot is taking place in this like ancient Choctaw mystical, like how they started type realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just caught me <laughs> by surprise because I was like, oh, literally I thought this was going to be the most grounded, like just street right. level, nothing else type show. She has no superpowers. She is just a badass. That's where I thought this show was. And then they literally started the opposite. And then the other question is, okay, I, I think I kind of love that she, she has ancestors and leans into that from the past. Mm-hmm. But then when they actually lean into it's powering her hands and she has yeah. super strength, were you disappointed in that? Yes. Yeah, so that's where I'm. That's where we're on the same page, Uh, and that's really my only. My someone was asking uh, my initial thoughts, and and that was my only real negative. And I don't even know that it's again. It's something that I'm. I'm going to kind of withhold judgment until I see how it all plays out. But I think the the first part of your question was the the like that. That was the biggest concern to me. Like. do we want to start there? Like, do we want to before we've seen literally any other part of the show when you've really marketed this as look how grounded and visceral the show is? And like, look, if you if you were turned off by some of the other like wackier stuff sure. in Marvel, like, do we want Just to tune start? in for this? Yeah. Yeah, like it. And, and in that way, like it, it gave me some like some Miss Marvel style heartburn for a bit there where I was like, okay, because I'm liking the other, like the, the like more grounded side of, of Maya. Wilson Fisk was walking through the cops to grab Maya. Like that's the side I like. Well, and even in, in Maya, like Maya, all of yeah. the kind of modern day Maya stuff I like. And to your point, I also like that we get the, like that we, we understand more about the Choctaw story and how she fits into that. And I think it makes her character more unique and more interesting in the same way that I thought like the partition story 
made yes. Miss Marvel more interesting and made her character more interesting. But maybe but, don't start with it then. Have it be like a legend of what the ancestors did. And right. then the second part of my question is true then. Like at first when I thought it's just like how the Choctaw got started, great. But then to actually bring in the power, yeah. then I was no, like, exactly. oh no. Well, same thing for me again with Miss Marvel where it's like I, like even if we go back to like that episode five, like so much of that series, I, I like in terms of the way it's leaning into her family history. And I think it's, if not for that, the the show would would make much less of a of an impact and leave less of a mark. But I think that the the problem was not with that. The problem was then taking the next leap to the gen thing and then going all in with like these people from another dimension. And so here, that's kind of where I get nervous, where I'm like, are is this going to all boil down to like a weird mystical fight? Because that's not that's not what I'm wanting out of this show. And that's not kind of the promise of the character. Right. Please don't let episode four or the beginning of five be like this culmination of her like shooting energy blasts out of her hands at Daredevil or something, you know, like because she realizes all her pain and her ancestors pain. And then it's like, ah, like, please don't let it go there, please. No, that's like, yeah, I I don't. And, you know, just anytime you've got a character with glowing hands in the same show as Daredevil, I'm getting a little bit of PTSD. (laughs) I know me too. Me too. But again, let's just, let's just stop there and say, we've only seen two episodes. So yeah. who, Who knows? And I will say, I found those scenes really interesting. I do feel like uh, I again as flashbacks. I found them interesting. Yes, yeah. I, I'm to inform like her ancestral line. Yes. Yeah, I just, and I also just wonder if we needed the scenes, like if we needed that filmed rather than just like could that have just been exposition from a character like the we kind of get that anyway in In the the pawn shop yeah in the you know yeah yeah, and and like i almost it's one of those things where if you hear it 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 feels like that's how that stuff would normally be communicated anyway is like through an oral tradition oh yeah but whenever you have to kind of visualize it and animate it and just like the the kind of creature makeup element of that early especially the first one it's like Okay, like this is, we are starting this like from the very first second, this feels yeah. fantasy. Yeah. The, and, the f- you know, that could go either way for people, I guess, but that's the feel. Yep. Yep. I think, I think that's the two problems. The very first shot being that, that's the first question mark. Like if I was in the editing room, I'd be like, let's use it as a flashback, like halfway through the right. episode or something. Uh, or the start of like, the start of the second episode and make the start of the sure. second episode the start of the third episode or something. But again, we haven't yeah. seen the third episode, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the second question is like, if I just didn't see the power come out of her hands, I think I'd feel so much more settled. Like, even if it just showed that clip of her, like, you know, all the different people in her family line, you know, flashes real quick. If right. it did that and then she somehow got her leg out of it, I think I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, she's channeling an inner strength or something. Yes. But yeah. to actually then have her look at her hands and be like, oh, they're glowing. I was like, no, no. Like, don't have her inner strength actually be giving her energy hands like we just talked about with What If yesterday. No, that's exactly, that's exactly it. It's like, I, I want it to be, 
I want it to be something that, like, I think that the, the whole story and the connection that she has to her, like, her own cultural identity, like, is is much more, it's more impactful, I think, if it is done on, like, a, a spiritual, mental, emotional level than on an actual, like, you've well. inherited powers. <laughs> Like, I just yeah. don't, I, it, it cheapens it to me. Uh, and so I want to be very clear here that I'm not saying I want less of that angle. It's almost like I, I want more of that angle from an identity perspective and less from a superpowers perspective. A hundred percent agree. Wrap us up with your final positive thought. I want to hear it. Yeah. So it kind of, to reiterate what, what I said earlier, I just wanted to say like two episodes into the first spotlight series, I'm just excited about what this could be. Uh, I, I think that I would like more shows like this uh, where, where it, like I said, it kind of fits in but is not having to, to carry the overall narrative forward. I think that that's an important next step for Marvel. And it's something that Agreed. they've never, you know, until now they've tried to make everything essential viewing. And I think that, that they've suffered a bit because I have a lot of friends that, have been in that like, oh man, I'm so behind because I haven't watched this, 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 or this. And then they just stop watching because they've been trained to think that if you haven't watched the last three Marvel things, then you can't watch the latest Marvel thing. So I, I'm just generally encouraged by the way this is panning out. Again, we'll see how I feel after the end of the next three episodes. But I think that this is just in general an encouraging step for me. I'm genuinely excited to see Maya and Fisk interact again. I want to see how Maya reacts to finding out that he's not dead. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I've, I've heard that there's also a, well, I, I've, <laughs> I've read about a daredevil fight that is supposed to be like crucial to the show. And I'm wondering if that is what we've already seen or if there's I another so. one coming. I don't think there's another one coming. You think that's it? We'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, I guess it is crucial. It's just, man, it's just always so weird the the stuff that the creators say ahead of this stuff to garner interest, sure. and I don't blame them for it. But it's always like it's like that we go back to the Paul Bettany thing. They're they're saying that's crucial because that was when Maya developed like, oh, I can use this rage to oh, be totally. productive for Fist. That's why it was crucial to her character. That's the fight. There's not gonna be another one. You think that's it? Is that the that's last it. time we see Daredevil? You think? Yes. Wow. Okay. Not Fisk Fair. though, but there. Yeah. Yep. Fair. Now, again, people are listening to this episode. I've watched all five episodes. Maybe Daredevil's like a main character in the fifth one. I could be wrong, but I think that's the last one, and I think that was the fight. It is interesting that that they showed that fight in the the previously on for episode two, and and it kind of made me think that there was going to be a follow up there. Hey, but I'd love to be wrong. I love Daredevil. If not, I'm still yeah. I'm I'm really happy with it. Uh, and. Like I said, the point of the show is Maya, not Matt or Fisk. So, Thanks for listening. We have so much going on. Uh, next Monday, we'll be talking about episodes three and four of Echo. We'll probably be avoiding some of your uh, comments on our socials and on Discord for now because we haven't seen it yet. But I hope everyone is enjoying the series like we are. And uh, check out our merch. We have brand new friends from work merch on our website, yes. the ffwpodcast.shop. Robbie finally got his beanie Look at in that. the mail as well. Look at, look at us twinsies. 
we have more than beanies, tumblers, mugs, hoodies are coming this week. I got the hoodies yes. in hand, the Loki style hoodies. They're going to be incredible. So I'll be shipping those out. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time right back here on Friends from Work. Friends from Work.